And so just taking a deep breath into this moment, this perfect place and time. As I acknowledge that one spirit, one source, I call God the beloved. That this is a source that is unlimited, creative, and eternally giving, supporting all that it creates. And because there is only this one, this one bringing all things into being, the seen and the unseen, that I recognize that all that spirit is, all of those qualities of its nature are also within me. That every part of me is making up a oneness and that same oneness is within all things, all beings, all life. And I realize that because this oneness is permeating everything, that I understand every cell within my body is making up a oneness, which is my body. Every cell, every fiber of tissue is specialized, created in a unique and beautiful way to support the life that is my body. And I know that this is true for all things. Everywhere I look, I understand that each thing is made up of so many different parts that support what it is, that that divine nature, that oneness is being outpictured in everything. And just like the candle, that the wax is made of many things, that the threads are woven as the wick, that the flame rests on a gap of air and it gives out light, it gives out warmth, it gives out a symbol of that eternal light and that oneness within. And so I rejoice in this nature of spirit that through so many unlimited special parts that each and everything 
everyone is a manifestation of oneness in its own individual way. And that because of that oneness, that there is an expression of beauty and light and warmth and so many gifts that come from the one. I'm so grateful for the ease and the simplicity in which spirit works as everything is united. I'm grateful for the beauty in this world, in the beauty in all life. And I am grateful for the gifts that I receive and those that I may give. And so in this witness of this unlimited love and creativity of spirit, I release this into that law, knowing it is already made manifest right here and now. And together we say, and so it is. This month we're looking at a series of talks called Inclusion in Action. And our talk title today is, Who Are We? Who are we? You know, we spend a great deal of time contemplating this question. Or not. But then, of course, Socrates said, but, you know, an unexamined life is not worth living. So I'm not worried about the knots. I'm worried. I, I'm not worried. But I'm, I'm speaking to those of us who do contemplate this question. And what do we do? Eventually, we come to realize that there is no one answer. There's not one neat little, here's who I am, package, answer. You know, the universe expresses, we've, we've talked about the last couple of weeks, as a multiplicity. It expresses as multiplicity all around us, but it also expresses as a multiplicity within and as us. There is no one me. Our ego-based intellect wants to categorize everything, including ourselves, and wrap a neat little bow around everything and everyone. This is good, this is bad, this is friend, this is foe, this is, you know, this, this is, you know, all that stuff. But as we study life, we learn that nothing exists in neat little logic packages. You know, the great naturalist John Muir said that when we try to pick out anything by itself, we find it hitched to everything else in the universe. So there isn't really a me that is separate from we. So inclusion begins, as does everything, at home. It begins within. It begins with me. We have aspects of ourselves that are privileged. And we have aspects of ourselves that we want to hide in the basement of our consciousness and we want to disown them, we want to kill them off, we want to deny their existence. You know, we, we don't like that. We don't like that part of ourselves. We don't want to look at that part of ourselves. And we have the police of our consciousness, the repressive keep it all in line part, be a good boy, be a good girl, do it just right, keep order in our outer appearance. We have that run our lives. Take a breath. Mm. 
And we learned and we trained the police of our mind because we were told early on what was and what wasn't acceptable, what was good, what was bad, what was right, what was wrong. We learned about private parts, which, by the way, vary in cultures and times, don't they? And we grew our own internal private parts, which we're too ashamed to share with anyone. And we were taught guilt and shame over and over and over again. You know, newborn babies when, do not come with guilt or shame installed, right? We were taught. We were taught by our parents. We were taught by our teachers. We were taught by siblings. We were taught by fellow kids and, and people around us. We're taught by our overall culture. We're taught. And this is nothing to feel guilty about, nor to go into blame or helplessness about. So the truth is, we're just a big mess. And that's my talk today. Thank you very much for coming. I can hear, you know, you're all muted, but I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, so I'll, go, I'll talk a little more. So how do we begin to heal this sense of separation? We can do decades of therapy. Some of us have. We know that what that's like. We can try to, in a, in a, in a hope, in a sense, to unravel that Gordian knot of our patterns and our beliefs and our, and our belief systems. We're trying to unravel this thing that's so tight. Or we can take a different path. We can add a different path. There's nothing wrong with therapy. I'm not saying that. Um, I've been blessed by it myself, and, and I know many who have. But there's, a, there's more. There's an expansion. There's, there's, a, there's a, something bigger than that. So we can begin by realizing the truth that John Muir uh, spoke about in his quote. And that truth is that we are not really separate from the whole universe. We believe we are. We feel like we are, but we're not. We're not separate from the, all the people, all the people, all, all the people. Yeah, those two. All the people, all the animals, all the plants, all the rocks, all the stars. We're not separate from any of it. The physicist um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, we are part of this universe. We are in this universe. But perhaps more important than both of those facts is that the universe is in us. We are within a universe that is also within us. And so we have to get to a bigger idea of who this we, this I and this we are. This, this past week, Father uh, Richard Rohr has been looking at European mystics in his uh, weekly column or his daily columns. And mystics helped us to shift from the view of our ego-based humanity to the view of the mystic. The, the higher, the, the spiritually based, the, the universal based, which that shifting of our views can help us to move beyond the mess that we find ourselves in when we just get caught up in the ego. The mystics, the view of the mystics is to more clearly understand who we are. And mystics make the intellect uncomfortable. I'm just going to say it right up front. If you have a nice, orderly you know, intellect that wants to have everything properly in order, mystics make it uncomfortable because the infinite works in paradox. It's not this or that. It's this and that and more. And so our intellect, which likes to categorize and have everything in a neat little package, gets uncomfortable with that. So we're going to start with one of my favorite mystics, Meister Eckhart. Meister Eckhart was a 13th and 14th century uh, um, Christian mystic, lived in Germany, um, who was 
kind of, I don't know if he was quite excommunicated, but he was not popular with his peers because he peered differently and deeper into the reality. And my Strikart uses the, the analogy the, uh, of, a, of an image in a mirror to explain our relationship to the infinite. And so he says an image is not of itself, nor is it for itself. It rather springs from the thing whose reflection it is and belongs to it with all its being. I'll say it again. It springs from the thing whose reflection it is and belongs to it with all its being. It owes nothing to a thing other than that whose image it is. Nothing else is at its origin. An image takes its being immediately from that of which it is the image and has one sole being with it, and it is that same being. The image is the same being as that which it is the image of. Father Richard Rohr features a few um, writers, and, and one of them is, is uh, a contemporary mystic named James Finley, who paraphrases this, this idea from, from Meister Eckhart. And he says, imagine you're standing before a full-length mirror, and imagine the image of you in that mirror is conscious, that it can think. And this image of you has been through a lot of therapy. It's taken a lot of classes and courses on being an insightful image. And it has come to a point where it informs you that it doesn't need you anymore. And you say to the image of you, well, you know, this is going to be rough, really, since you're an image of me. And the image, after a little pause and thinks about it, says, no, no, I've, I've worked on this. I've, I've come to this point. I, I, can be, I can exist on my own without you. And so to gently help the image out, you step halfway off the side of the mirror and half the image disappears. The image immediately has a panic attack and goes back into therapy and says to the therapist, I'm not real, I'm not real. I was, I was working on my affirmations, I bolstered my confidence, but I don't know where I went, I buckled. Now the image was real. But the image wasn't real in the way that it thought it was real. It was real, but not without you. It was real as an image of you. When we live from and as ego-based consciousness, which believes in its separate realness, we forget, we don't understand that we're actually immersed within and as a whole. When we step into the mystic's view, we join with, we align with the universal view. Seeing that we are in the universe and the universe is within us completely. Catherine of Genoa said it this way, my me is God. I'll say it again, my me, that which I think of as me, is God. Nor do I know my selfhood except in God. And so we begin to stop asking the question, who am I? What do I need to stuff my little ego self with so that it 
feels okay, only to find over and over that nothing fills that emptiness. I can tell you that you can stuff yourself with as much chocolate as you want. It still doesn't fill the emptiness based on a belief in separation. When we're living in separation, we're living in emptiness. We begin to shift as we grow, as we take this mystic's view. We begin to shift and we begin to ask questions such as, what does this infinite oneness want to express through me here and now? What is this infinite oneness? What does this spirit want to express through me here and now? How can I be an image in alignment with, most purely in alignment with? Not just in, in big cosmic areas either, but in everyday life, in all the little things in life. How does it want to express? The generosity of the infinite is infinite. It is constantly expressing itself. It is constantly giving itself away. There's a, a lovely poem from, from Daniel uh, Ladinsky who says, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. As it shines upon the earth, it doesn't sit there and say, well, I'm, I'm going to withhold some of my light from you and, and you owe me. You better pay me back. No, the universe is just generous. It is just constantly expressing, radiating, being itself. And we are the image of that. And as the reality of, thing, of all things, of all life. And our only sorrow is that we don't know that all the time. That's the time when we get into sorrow. That's the time when we get into darkness. That's the time when we forget the truth of who we are. That we actually are the generosity of the infinite in form. We are that expression of the infinite being. I mean, just radiating itself, more so than the sun. The sun is, is just a shadow of the life that, that expresses through it. So this week, I invite you to do two spiritual practices. Number one, stand in front of a mirror, preferably full length, and contemplate the relationship of the image to you. And then contemplate you as an image of the one. As Teresa reminded us in, in that pre-service meditation, I am that I am. I am that I am. So that's the first part. Stand, stand in front of a mirror, contemplate the relationship of the image to you, and then you as an image of the one. And then secondly, ask. Spend this week contemplating and asking the question, what does the infinite want to express through and as me now? What is spirit's highest idea here? Do it with everything in your day. Do it as often as you remember. What is spirit's highest, highest idea in this? And watch the shift happen. So you're willing to play with that for, uh, for spiritual practice this week? We're going to stand in front of a mirror and contemplate the image of God, and then we're going to ask, what is it that Spirit wants to move through me? I want to close with a quote from Mirabai Star. Speak out, the mystics say, and when you do, when you recognize that inner voice as the voice of God and say what it has taught you, the sickness in your heart will melt away. The fatigue that you have lived for, with for so long that you did not even notice how weary you were, will lift. Your voice will ring out with such clarity and beauty that you will not be able to stop singing. To speak your truth, to the mystics teach us, is to praise God. 
And so we have an affirmation to remind us of that. So if you'll say that this with me, please. I bravely look at the truth of who I am. I let old small thinking drop away and allow the infinite love to speak through me, to express through me into all of life. Actually, I changed that word uh, expressed to sing. I didn't have a chance to change it on the slide. So let's say that again with the word sing in there. I bravely look at the truth of who I am. I let old small thinking drop away and allow infinite love to sing through me into all of life. And so it is. Seems so. Ah, let us do a closing prayer. Hmm. There is one presence. There is only one presence, one life, one infinite oneness. That is all there is. Everything in the universe is interconnected because everything in the universe is one of the one. And so in remembering that truth, in remembering that so-ness, we remember then that we, we are one of that one. Who are we? We are one of a oneness, totally interconnected, totally interdependent and interrelational with each other. And so I speak my word that this relationship, this interrelationship, both with the other images of the divine and of the divine itself, up-levels, grows. We recognize that we are already standing in the light and we look up and see that we are standing in that light. We take our focus off of the problems, the separations, the differences, the appearances, and lift up to see the oneness, the truth of who we are. The infinite in form, the love in form that is constantly giving, and we have the ability to constantly give as it, knowing that we are always abundantly supplied in every way, in every conceivable way of life. And I give thanks for that good that comes through us. I give thanks for the yes that we say, that we agree to be expressions of this image instead of fighting with it, instead of pretending we're not. I give thanks for the lifting of old patterns, old sorrows, old weights, the dissolution of those, both individually and collectively as the human species. And so I release this word into a law that knows how to do this, that we are simply the point that says yes, and the law knows how to move this image, knows how to be in this full expression. And it does so as we say yes. And we affirm that by saying, and so it is.